0: Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Drain Chill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during, and after their time on the program. Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Sausage on a Fork, and I am absolutely delighted to say that I have been joined by none other than Nigel Miles Thomas, who played Mr. Ray Davis. Nigel welcome to Sausage on a Fork.
1: Thank you very very much it's
0: great to be here. Not at all not at all what we'll do Nigel is we'll start this episode the way we start every episode and if you can tell us sort of how you got into acting.
1: Well yeah I, I never even thought about it I, I went. I was in a comprehensive school in, in Wembley in North London uh-huh. um, drifting around playing cricket and doing various things like that but never really thinking of what I was going to do uh-huh. and then this Theatre and Education Group came to the school and um, they were doing Shakespeare and they wanted people to join in. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So my English teacher said, oh, we've got an actor in the class, which um, was me. <laughs> so I was really pleased about this because I because I thought, uh, I think this is pretty cool. So, th- so I then did all the school plays and youth drama, went to drama school in London. It all kind of went seamlessly well um it was something that i i just loved you know and, and yeah. that was i went to drama school in, in the arts Ed, educational schools in 1976 so a uh, right. fair old time ago you know and you know st- i'm still doing it and, uh, so uh, i still love doing it and uh, yeah so basically i think you know i i'm i'm always pleased to do myself going into schools because yeah. I, I knew how how hugely important it was for me yeah, so I that, mean, coming to my school. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. You know, not, yeah, that, That's it. Like that's quite a, a when you look back there. If, if they had never
0: come into your school, do you think you would have ever done acting
1: at all? No, I don't. I can't see the link right. because I I just needed some 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 vote of confidence. I think right, okay. you know when you're that sort of gangly sixteen-year-old, 70... you you you're a bit lost. You know, yeah. And so this was something that gave me a because i wasn't particularly academic it just gave me a focus of and also girls were interested in me it's <laughs> okay so it was just it was a win win you know <laughs> that i could, that i could find something that that girls were interested in me um and uh, I'm not saying that's the the most thing in my career, but it but it was something at sixteen or seventeen and into drama school, which uh, yeah, it's just a great fun and um,
0: brilliant, brilliant.
1: And so, did you get much work then in in in, in your early days? Then, well, I did. Um, I got an agent fairly quick, and then I I did quite a lot of theatre. I love theatre. It's really uh-huh. my. Um, comfort zone in many ways i guess so i did repertory theater and and i was a med- in a medieval theater company for a couple of years nice. a classical theater company then i got uh i got a part in doctor who all right okay. uh, which was uh my first television uh, and it was it was it was really amazing because i love doctor Who and to play this quite good character for a couple of episodes and uh, sylvester mccoy and uh uh it was it was it was pretty it was called dragon fire this episode and i still get you know a, a a lot of very extraordinary letters all these years later from that yeah. and, uh, and, and and in fact the 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 director of that uh episode was nigel Clough, and he was the one that i when i auditioned for um Chill. hill right directing the first one but but in between that I'd done all these sort of things like Minder and The Professionals and yeah. Dick Emery and all these sort of very <laughs> iconic in a way as you look back they're very yeah. iconic at the time you don't really think so
0: well yeah sorry you've just mentioned Doctor Who there am I right in thinking that Stuart Organ was also yeah he was in those episodes yeah. as well I found yeah. that link earlier yeah. on there as, as well, well. And, and you've mentioned Dick Emery yeah, I mean,
1: amazing. what 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 a legend! It was a it was the most extraordinary experience. I I got Carl. He, they, they he the, the it was a Christmas sort of special, and uh-huh. there was a the it was a public. It was about a, it was on location. It was about a public school called the Cheeked Well Academy for young right. gentlemen, run by the vicar, you know, the vicar, yeah. and Nairne Dawn Porter, who was another legend at the time because of but. Uh, all the programmes that so she does, yeah. she she played that the, the matron, and suddenly I was in this world of this very very peculiar man. <laughs> yeah. who I think he motivated himself get for the girls as well because yeah. he always asked me when he wasn't dressed up as one of these bizarre characters, you, you know, if he if I got any girls coming to the, to the hotel in the evening. Sorry, Dick, no, I, I'm not in your league, mate. You know, but, um, <laughs> It was it was he and he was a brilliant actor and I learnt a lot. I played the head boy called Hog. Right. And um we it was a really good part. I had a brilliant time on that. And yeah. I, I can't say got to know him because he, he was quite a uh, an elusive character to get to know personally, but it, it was an experience, that's yeah. for sure. And also, Harry, Harry Worth as that's well. What I was just about Bloody to ask hell. I he, mean, he he another Harry extraordinary Worth as well. Yeah. You know. They're just like he was just like. How he is. I mean, there was there was no uh, there was no real character acting for him. It just, <laughs> but I learned a lot because they were live these shows. You know, you, you had yeah. to do it in front of the studio audience, and um, so yeah. yeah. And then Metal Mickey, another it, it was one of the one of the um the monkeys. Mickey Dolan. Mickey Dolan, yeah, was the director, and it was really cool. um Yeah, so so those are the eighties, and I did all that sort of stuff, and then. Into the nineties, still doing my theatre and stuff, and then Grange Hill for those those two years in the yeah. in the middle of that, and then you know life just sort of keeps going, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. So I mean, so you've you've mentioned about the fact that you, you knew the uh, the director and stuff, and was that so? Was the part like was it given to you yet, or did you have to audition for that? No, one? I
1: went I went along to to the BBC and I sat and had an interview. It was a re- it was initially for just a one episode right. um because he was covered it was like he was a covering teacher or something i don't know uh-huh. so i didn't expect it to be any more than one and then uh it sort of grew into quite a quite a few episodes after that um yeah and it, yeah so it was an interesting experience for me i I, yeah. I i don't know whether i set my stall out right you it, t- time is go so quick and you, i don't think i really thought about right. who this guy was i I should have. I think I, you know, in reflection, I should have been a bit meaner or a bit, bit more of a guy. I was. I was kind of just this like nice yeah. guy, you know. And I, I think I set my stall out a bit too nice. Yeah. And I don't think I. I got. Um, I don't think I. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny game that yeah. so, I don't really know to be honest. So, with so me. were you were you
0: already aware of Grange Hill? Yeah. Obviously, right. So okay. Yeah. So. Um, As you, you watched it and, and, and stuff like that? Or oh, yeah. was it ju- right? Okay. So, yeah. so on that, because obviously Mr. Davis was a, a PE teacher. Now, mm. when in, in the week leading up to an episode being released of the podcast, I play a guest to guest competition on social media. And the mm-hmm. first person that guesses who the guest is going to be gets to ask, uh, uh, send in a question for the next guest. Uh-huh. Now, I've had a question in from the person that won the last one was called Chris Blake. And he says, as Mr. Davis was a PE teacher, Grange Hill had obviously had some really memorable PE teachers previously. (laughs) Um, There was Mr. Foster, uh, Bullock Baxter, Mr. Robson. Did you ever feel any pressure taking on the role of of the PE teacher in Grange Hill? Or is it just one of these things where I'm going in, I'm acting and I'm doing it?
1: Yeah was... no I don't think I gave it too much thought and I think I probably should have done. Right. Because I because in uh, again you know you always think about what you could have done what you should have done.
0: Yeah.
1: I guess it's it's more or less the script I was given and then, and there was there, there was um uh never anything that was that led led me to be you know sinister yeah. in any way. Right. It was always the guy who was kind of knocking on the on the parents door or at the at the uh uh, staff meetings, dinners yeah. out. You know, I yeah. I, d- I don't think I ever felt that I, you know, because I I'm, I love character acting. I think, um, I think that's what I do. I don't think I developed a, a a character as such. I felt I was being just using my own physicality because obviously, yeah. you know, in those days, you know, being what the size I was, I was good casting for a for a PE teacher. So I just kind of just blew the whistle and said, "Come on, boys!" Yeah. You know, <laughs> and where are you?
0: You know, were you into sports anyway? Lo-
1: yeah, absolutely. Right, I loved it, and that, and that. So, anytime we were on a field, I felt really at home. And in fact, we, we, there was a rugby scene, and the guy who was supposed to kick the ball over the post. He, he made it about three yards. <laughs> right. So I, I, behind the camera, did the kicking of the ball for him. <laughs> right, okay. Get it the post. Oh, but, right. I, but, but interestingly, it was it was beginning at that time to um you know if if a boy was hurt on the field
0: yeah
1: I was you, you had to be you were told if no you can't you can't put your arm around him oh, right I get, that's yeah. so instinctive to my because yeah. i I've always taught you know even um not not you know like other jobs I've had I've done coaching cricket and rugby and football right. it was always something I loved, yeah, but I was you know in those days earlier than that, I was pretty hands on if somebody had hurt themselves I'd yeah. Come up and you know it, it, it's, it's so natural isn't it yeah
0: it's a, natural, it's a very natural instinct, natural instinct. I, yeah I, I
1: couldn't i couldn't do that yeah, yeah. which is you know, that's that's how that's how it is but yeah it, it and it kind of trundled on like that really without yeah. um in fact they the the other teachers gave me the ray name ah right okay the obvious yeah uh, yeah the, uh, the, there. the kinks um, there, like yeah <laughs> the kinks you know um and I think they were trying to help me find you know some something, yeah, it's just such a weird world. I don't, I don't know it's okay. All right, well
0: what we'll do is we'll go through look because I've made a few notes on you know some of the things here. So you started in series 18, which was on air in, in 1995. And the very first time we see Mr. Davis is, as you mentioned earlier on, on a staff night out. And when I watched it the other day, everyone looks really cramped. Around that table, there wasn't sort of much room for anyone to move. Did it feel like
1: that when you were filming it? Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was. I can remember it It was an Indian restaurant in Stanmore, and it was about nine o'clock in the morning. Right. And nobody. We had all this food and beer that nobody (laughs) particularly wanted to eat or drink. Uh, Yes, it was cramped. Yeah, yeah. And I, I I kind of just sort of sat there, but I did. I did because I'm a North Londoner, so I knew the restaurant. Right, <laughs> it was in, yeah, in Stanmore, yeah, and you, and you <laughs> were
0: sat you were sat next to Lee Corns, um, in that uh, as well. I mean, what a another you know comedy legend,
1: uh, legend, yeah. Uh, was yeah, he? Yeah.
0: Everyone says he was just as funny as you'd expect him to be. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, he was lovely. I mean, the the whole of the the, the team were supportive, good fun. I, I I really enjoyed them. You know, there was no there was no ego thing going on there. They were. And Stewart was absolutely lovely as a yeah. bloke. I really, really liked him. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the next sort of thing we see,
0: Mr. Davis, was when it was when he'd introduced like houses into Grange Hill, you know, so they had the inter-house competitions going on and there was a basketball competition and there was some confusion over which team some players should be playing for. But then Mr. Davis comes in. And into a uh, Grange Hill fashion sort everything out for <laughs> everyone there.
1: Yeah. And then remember that, yeah.
0: You've you 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 mentioned Doctor School Field earlier on, and there was when Julie Corrigan was staging a protest about the road being built and she was camping on on the field on the football pitch <laughs> and she wouldn't move for Mr. Davis. But she moved for <laughs> Mr. Robson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you see this is it. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: she, yeah, he managed to persuade her to move off the pitch. Um and step but she could stay on the field. And then there was the rugby match that you mentioned earlier on. Yeah. And it was between the girls. There was a girls' rugby match, I think, it was going on. Now you refereed that. Did you have much
1: experience with rugby? Because I know you said yeah. you were quite small. This so is like... totally my comfort zone. I, right. I, I probably didn't... I think I struggled into the modern game of rugby with all the laws. But, yeah, no, I... I you know, it, it, I didn't have ever have to research anything to do with <laughs> right. the field. They never did cricket, and that's my right. you know, that's my main game I played uh-huh. all the night. But, uh, you know, I, I I loved all the the, the, the stuff on the field. Right. I when,
0: when we've had lads on who, play, who were in some of the football matches on Grange Hill... The lads have said that what they would do is they would just they would play normally, but then they would film some sort of choreographed bits. Yes,
1: definitely. Was like, the, like the kicking was, of the goal? Yeah. Was the rugby? Was the rugby any different to that? Yes, it was completely um, right. Um, we'll play a bit now. We, we'll stop a bit, and we'll we'll stage something. Right. So it was. It wasn't a. It it certainly wasn't a, a free flowing game because I'm not sure. That some of the the kids that were playing really knew what the hell was yeah. going on. So um, I, I think I I kind of uh, I coached them a bit, yeah. About the ball needs to go backwards, things like that. You know? Yeah. Because some of the some of the girls you see look like they knew
0: what they were doing. Some like yeah, the yeah some yeah
1: of the of extras, yeah of course
0: yeah of course like they knew what they were doing. Okay, and then there was a bit. Where um it was parents' evening. Yes, I remember now, it well. Mr. Davis wore a suit for parents' evening, and the kids were used to seeing him in a suit. And yes. Julie Corrigan again, uh, and Robin Stone asked him if he was going to a seventies <laughs> revival because of the suit that he, <laughs> that he was wearing, and he said he wasn't going to buy a new suit for parents' evening, uh, but he had to make it. <laughs> but he had to make an effort as the parents were coming to see him. And Julie said to him, well, my mum never bothered with my PE report. And Mr. Davis said, that's just as well, Julie. And you know, when I watched that and I thought, that's very of its time. I, I'm convinced if you, <laughs> if a teacher was to say that now to a kid, a kid would go home straight away and there'd be all sorts of repercussions about that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now, the thing with, with, with that episode, it then moves on just a little bit where Mr. Davis has sat at a table on his own, and none of the parents were coming to speak to him. There was one parent walked over, realised who Mr Davis was and that he was peeing, she walked away. And it got to the point where even Mr Parrott asked him to go and make a cup of tea because he was getting snowed under and and Mr Davis didn't have anyone coming. But then, a mum came over to talk to Mr Davis and she said she did say she only came over because... She felt sorry for him because no one was coming to speak to him and he was on his own. But then they actually got talking and they start finding out a little bit more about each other. And Mr. Davis found out that the mum was divorced and her ex-husband was now living in Scotland. And then she asked him about Mr. about his wife, and he said that he'd never been married. And it looked like that story was actually gonna.
1: Evolve into something,
0: but it was never mentioned again. Was there any? No. Any I, that,
1: on that? It, I I thought that that was going to be. I was I was kind of waiting for a, a bit of a storyline. I mean, a yeah. proper storyline. And I, that it was. It just it just stopped at the past. And we had, we had a we had a Christmas um, lunch uh-huh. that year. All the all of the cast and everything, and the writers. And I think I remember saying to one of the writers, I was like, you should." I hope you can pursue that. Yeah, because like, I kind of felt I needed something to get to get uh yeah, because my teeth into, you know. Y- you see, um
0: a couple of the teachers, Mr. Robson, Mr. Brisley, actually talking about the fact that Mr. Davis is talking to the mum. He said, But they never ever thought Mr. Robson said, Well, his son was never into sports when I was the P teacher. And you you just think something's gonna happen here. But yeah. It, it, yeah, it was never mentioned again, and
1: it That's just seemed it just seemed to be re, really strange that. Yeah, no, I know. It, I, know. It, I, remember it, that, it, I remember that. I remember that very thought. It's a fair few years ago, but I did think, well, this is this could be good. This could be a good one. Yeah. That that would have been something that
0: Grange Hill hadn't explored. I mean, I don't know if it was because. There was no kids involved in the storyline or what I don't I, I don't know it just it just seemed to be it just, yeah it,
1: it, I think it, I think that that unless it directly affected the child yeah they wouldn't have just done it for for the for the yeah because
0: because story. the child as well wasn't a child that we knew about his, his name was it Neville and there was no Neville on screen at at, at the time no oh, okay um. So then that and then that was pretty much the end of series 18 but then so we move on to series 19. and at first Mr Davis is sort of quite involved in the first few episodes Mr it just seemed to get used quite a bit more for the, the the first few first of all did you have anything to do with that did you have like was that your doing at all
1: no I no. I, I I you literally waited for your script to come through the right land on the map there was never any consultation or anything, or script development with the. Certainly not right. with me. I just waited for my script to go up to Elstree and rehearse it, and then um, um, and then those the filming days would come later. So now I I I kept feeling that you know not. I never felt secure within it. Right, I get, you get you. that instinct as a as a, in any job, I guess in life, yeah. if you. If they're not developing you or you're not, the, you you kind of get that feeling of, oh, you know, yeah. maybe I am not mean enough. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You OK.
0: Know. What I'm trying to get over is the fact that there's a, there's a few bits where there's a badminton lesson and there's a, there's a couple of new kids in the lesson. So there's, there's a new girl called uh, Laurie Watson who actually introduces herself as Laurie Watson, but tells Mr. Davis that he can call her a mouthy little madam. Because she was one basically. And so which he replies, Well, I'll make a note of that one later on. And then what, what I liked in this episode, as nice as Mr. Davis was, because you're saying he's not he wasn't particularly mean. As nice as he was, he says to all, he says to the kids, Well, we're having a few problems here. So everyone, sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up, and you go, where where where's that come from? Like and then what there's a, another New kids, Chris Longworth, who was played by Ben Freeman.
1: Yes, I remember that. I remember him well.
0: Yeah, so he asks uh, Mr. Davis asked Chris to demonstrate because he, he can you know he can play badminton a bit, and then they seem to they get a rally going and all that. And again, you seem to know what you were doing in in that. So was badminton another one of yours?
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I, that's why. If if the, that theatre group hadn't come into my school, all right. I'd have done with my life was hit balls and and <laughs> clocks. because I, I I I love sport I still do yeah so yes there was there was there was a real comfort zone with anything there was there was no game that I felt they would have thrown at me I couldn't right. have handled it okay okay <laughs> so and then... not, Now now would be a different game so... <laughs> <Right. Okay. laughs>
0: um, and then Mr Davis picked Chris for the house badminton team. And then Chris said he wouldn't play. One of the other kids had been winding him up, basically about you know saying he was he thought he was a superstar and, and stuff. And then Chris was actually quite rude to Mr. Davis, so Mr. Davis sent him along to Mr. Robson. Yeah, um, I remember that. And then because there was always a bit of mystery around Chris and what it was, basically his family were really religious, so he went to church an awful lot. And when Chris apologized to Mr. Davis and then Mr. Da- Mr. Robson realised that Mr. Davis had wanted Chris to play badminton after school Mr. Robson sort of explained to Mr. Davis why Chris couldn't and Chris was sort of although he'd apologise, was a little bit more off the hook Yeah, and then also I think in the next episode there was reports of someone having a gun in the school Yeah, and Mr. Davis was sort of we're charged with the responsibility of searching the bags, the classroom where the air gun was, basically. And it was poor old Kevin Jenkins, who wasn't, you know, wasn't a naughty kid. It was uh, it was Wayne Sutcliffe's gun, but Kevin was the one who had it. And he managed to get it into the waistband of his trousers. Mm. When when Mr. Davis checked the bag, he sort of, he he knew something was up with Kevin at the time. When he checks the bag and sees it's empty, he then asked Kevin to stand up and to open his jacket, and when Kevin opens the jacket, he gets to pull his jumper up, and we see the gun, and Kevin sort of panics a little bit, and he ends up accidentally shooting Sarah Jane. Now, Mm -hmm. when you think about that in a kids' TV programme, we always say this about Grangel, you know, and that must have been quite a, you know, a a subject for a a kids' TV programme, to be tackling, but again, it was showing the fact that kids did this, because I knew lads in school, who, who had air guns, and occasionally he would get brought in to school, but they were never quite as brazen as they were as Wayne was with his. But it was—I just thought you know it was good that yeah
1: they never not, shied away from anything. Yeah, great.
0: And, yeah, and it was good that it was your character was the one sort of you know dealing with all that and the fact yeah. that Mister Davis had said to Mister Robson because I don't think Mister Robson was. Head at the time. I think it was no,
1: some... it wasn't a head, he was like acting head.
0: Yeah. Mr. McNabb, you never saw Mr. McNabb. <laughs> or if you no, did, it was very, very, very sporadically. And Mr. Davis, was like, don't worry, we'll look after this, we'll sort this out. You think, okay, Mr. Davis is is, is getting some airtime here and and doing quite a bit. And then you also mentioned before about the sore ankle, the sore foot, which was Wayne. Yep. It obviously he said for it. You know, he told Mr. Davis that he couldn't play football because he had this sore foot and he didn't have a note. So Mr. Davis said, Well, you can play in goal. And when you just think he's got a really bad you, we don't see the foot at this point. Uh, And Mr. Davis doesn't know how bad it is and he just thinks Wayne's trying to get out of lessons. So you can go in goal. Now I I've I've, I've been involved in scouts all my life. And I have to tell I have quite a similar story to to it to a to this there was when I was actually in Scouts, so we're talking uh, a fair bit of time ago. We were playing football on a field close by one day, and this kid, I forget how it happened, but the ball hit hit his arm, basically. And he said, oh, this is really sore. So the leaders asked him to go in goal just so he wasn't running around and stuff. And we we found out the week after that he'd actually broken his arm. And the scout leaders had put him in gold just there <laughs> with this broken arm. And when I was watching that the other day with Wayne, I just thought that is so so similar to what I, to what my poor mate went through all them years ago. <laughs> just um, there we go. And then <laughs> in, in another PE lesson, Wayne fell over and it became apparent that he damaged his foot a lot more than than he was letting on. And when you see the foot, it looks horrible, you know, it's all out of out of joints and it's all purple and and everything. So, Mister Davis takes is the one that takes him to hospital. And again, you think, what you must be thinking at this point? Oh, they they're using me a lot more. You know, I, I'm I get. You know, what what what's going to happen? And
1: yeah, I think there's always that, isn't it? I I mean, it's the it's the old soap thing of yeah, waiting to be, waiting to be killed off. Yeah. Or do I live a do I live another? Yeah, Wayne, another day. I don't know. I think. I think a lot of people feel so insecure. Yeah, um, Especially because of the nature of the of the business, you get something that yeah, you've paying the bills for a while. It's, and, and it's you don't want to lose it,
0: you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it just seemed you know, Mister Davis was was really involved
1: and Wayne. Do, tells you, that... do you remember that there was a a scene? I and I can't remember I'm trying to think of his name. He's really well known now. There was a bullying and I went to the house and the uncle or the dad opened the door and it's, he's he's really well known. It's the brother. It's Wayne's brother. It's um, Eddie Marson. Eddie Marsden. Played, yeah, played exactly. Wayne's brother, yeah. yeah. And, and I gave him a lift home to the station. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, little did I know how well he did it. Yeah, but, Eddie Marson, Yeah. That,
0: that's like, it. I mean, because Wayne was told to take time off. Well, Wayne had basically told the doctors that he'd done it playing football when really he dropped the weight on it or his brother had dropped the weight on that's the foot, it. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah.
0: Wayne was told to take two weeks off, but Wayne's brother, as you say, played by Eddie Mars, was horrible. Now, Eddie Mars is brilliant in any oh, anyway, but he's particularly good yeah. as, as Wayne's brother, um, <laughs> because he was just horrible. Was, too. That's who it was, yeah,
1: yeah. I remember knocking on the door and him, he yeah. had that face looking at you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. And Wayne ended up going back to school because
0: basically his brother kicked him out and said, "You're not staying here." And you see, Mister Davis saying to him, "What are you doing here?" And, and Wayne's like, "Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to miss out on any school." And uh, Mister Davis says, "Oh, that's uh, that. You know, I'm really pleased with your new approach." And then we didn't see Mister Davis again. he uh, got... just disappeared in the middle of series nineteen. Was there any any reason? Know.
1: That. No, I, I, I got, because uh, I was, I was phoning, I phoned my in, in, my agent at the time, and I was saying, what's the bookings? Are we? Am I getting? Yeah. You know? And she said, no, I'll, I'll chase them. And then I think they said to her, oh, we just want to go in a different direction which yeah. is which is usually the kind way. Right, <laughs> but, I get you. Uh, well, that's it, you know, that that's the kind killing off, you know. Uh-huh. Um that we we and I always thought that going in another direction was mean because they want somebody who's mean and yeah. You know, right, and, I get uh, you. and and uh, and I went, oh, I, was, I played him too nice. I should have uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's just how life goes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, well, so I, you know, people that listen to the podcast will know
0: this, and they probably get fed up with me saying this, that I use IMDB for a lot of my research, which and I know it's not the most reliable source of information, IMDB. But after Grain, Jill, there doesn't seem to
1: be anything else on your IMDB profile. It's true, because I kind of... I did. What well, did I lose confidence? I I just went back into. I started to direct things, and um, I, I I found my personal choice of waiting for the the old agent to to phone me up. So I started to uh, um, create my own stuff, and I went over. Oh. To, I went over to Hong Kong uh-huh. and did an arts festival there, and then I I stayed. I I lived in Hong Kong and. Wow. uh, uh I got married and, and uh, lived between London and Hong Kong and I did a lot of a lot of dinner theatre and I was bringing people, really good people out to like Roger Lloyd Pack and Susan Penhallig and people like that to do plays which I was in and and I loved it and so I became this kind of, uh, there was a guy back in the day, you probably won't even remember, he was called Derek Nimmo. Yeah, yeah. He used, to, he used to do a lot of these tours of asia and dinner theater in the hotels so i'm still i'm still kind of doing that now i do a lot i do a lot of self-promotional um producing i do i I live in edinburgh now and i you know this year i produced 13 shows at the festival so i i I, I think at that point where i know how old i was well 30s 30s i just thought you know i've got to try and wear a few more hats if i want to stay in this business which i really like uh, and and things are not you know they're not working out you know i i want to i want to have a substance to what i'm doing And, and the theater always has given me that and so is directing and producing and and that's really how i kind of have maintained my life, really, right. up until uh, uh, as we speak
0: now. Brilliant, brilliant. Oh, just going back to Derek Nimmo there, he, I always picture Derek Nimmo as playing like a clergyman. Or yes, a right. a oh, go,
1: oh, golly gosh. <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, it, it's, it, it makes me feel, sounds so old because these, all these Dick Emery's and Harry were, I mean, they. they this is virtually black and white, you know. Yeah. It, but I was part of that kind of setup, and uh, which uh, I don't feel that you know that I'm in my my mid sixties. But uh, you know you have to own up to it. But um, yeah, Derek Nemo, yeah. But he was he used to um, you know that cash was king in those days, yeah. and he he used to he used to bring all the money home in the stage manager's overcoat. He was he was like the like the the Michelin Man with all yeah. the money. So, <laughs> Because he never declared anything, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a funny game. But you're right. It's sort of it. It kind of after Grange Hill, television wise, I did some commercials and stuff, the odd commercials here and there. But I thought the agent life. I I don't know. I I didn't hadn't really found my niche, and um, I just thought I I like putting on things rather than yeah. So so what is it then? What is it about theatre?
0: more than television
1: that like. well I, I used to I think it's the what I all the time I was in Grange Hill. Uh-huh. you rehearse you go you 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 get that the script then you go and you you rehearse it and then fourteen days later you get to do quite a big scene with a lot of movement. And I never felt as comfortable as I do and when I'm on stage I feel totally at home and I know where I'm going. Da, 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 da. There was always an edge of of and it's, uh, for me, being, you know, good at acting is feeling confident and and, and uh, comfortable, you know, yeah. and not not under pressure, in a way. It's a strange feeling of before you go, before you enter a stage and you're behind the, the curtain and you go, shit, this is all those people out there. Yeah. And then as soon as you're on, you feel all right. Yeah. But I think in the filming side of it, I don't think I ever felt coming into um, – Stewart's office you know your organs office I never felt the complete relaxation of like I do on stage it's yeah because I don't not, I hadn't done it enough to feel comfortable yeah. if that makes any kind of sense at all um because you do do things out of context out of sequence out of, and I guess if you do it all the time yeah and you're, you know then it becomes easier but I don't think I ever did it enough to make myself as comfortable as I do when
0: I go yeah. on stage. Yeah, I mean it's it's just, just it's just strange for me hearing that because obviously you're saying about feeling more relaxed on stage and please don't take this the wrong way. There's
1: obviously there's more there's more risk, isn't there? In the yeah, it's danger. I mean there's there's huge danger, but it but you kind of get you kind of your 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 inner mechanics work for you when right. you're on stage. You don't, whereas you know in in on film, you can they always say, "Oh, cut, yeah, just do it again." Yeah, and I always found doing it again was the worst thing. I always and there was a few scenes in Grangefield that I used to do without uh, having to do any retakes, right. and it was a lovely feeling because everyone was happy with that. But as soon as you kind of mess it up once or and then you go, oh, I don't Ooh. want to mess it up again. And then, then you get the sort of little inner demon inside you going, Oh, don't mess it up. What's and some one word that you just say normally suddenly turns into something that is it's really odd. And 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 uh, whereas on stage the demons aren't there, you yeah. get you're just and more of a character as well, because I'm not I think Mr. Davis was closer to me as a, a right. character yeah. than like what I'm playing now, or what I've played many parts over the year, I can I can disappear within that person, and through the right rehearsal s- schedule and the repetition of performance, you you kind of you know have a different angle on everything, really.
0: Yeah, and I, I suppose as well, that instant reaction, don't you? You get that instant reaction from your audience mm. well when, when when you're on stage, and that must be mm. a tremendous feeling. As well. it's,
1: it's wonderful. I mean, the the best. Reaction, I used to go and pick my daughter up from school when I was in Grange Hill, and that was she used to find it quite cool. Yeah. That dad who is in Grange Hill, Was picking me up from school, and that and you know the other kids would kind of uh, it gave her kudos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I didn't. I never knew ever if anyone, and I, I'll have to be honest with you, I couldn't watch any of them. Right. I haven't watched any of them it's okay, because I feel so self-conscious. Yeah. <laughs> that that. And and I've watched other things I've been in, but for some reason I, I, I it was like watching Spurs Arsenal the other day, my, <laughs> my Spurs team. It was torture to watch it. I was supposed to enjoy football. It was awful. It was hiding behind the sofa. <laughs> I had to turn over at one point because I couldn't bear it. <laughs> so it's a bit like that when, I, when I'm, When I hear myself or see myself, I'm so when I'm acting on stage, you do get that instant response and people instantly applaud. But I don't know whether any of the things I ever did in Grange Hill, anybody ever said, "Oh, I like that," or not. Yeah,
0: because
1: I probably didn't want to hear. I probably didn't want to hear that they didn't like it. Well, Mm -hmm. if you said they about the
0: football. I'm an Everton supporter. There's no one. Oh. Turns, there's nobody turns off the television more than Everton supporters. So I, I wouldn't worry <laughs> too much there. Like so, yeah. So you've you mentioned then that you are, you know, you, you've been directing shows and stuff. Um, so what what are you doing currently?
1: Well, I, I, about a year ago, I I played Sherlock Holmes in a play what? called The Return of Sherlock Holmes, uh-huh. and. I suddenly found a character which is physically perfect. Right. I can do him really well. I mean even even I the Mr Shy know that I'm doing a good job and then I got asked to do a a solo Sherlock Holmes because Sherlock Holmes the last act oh. which is about when Watson dies and he goes back to to Baker Street after the funeral and and it does a sort of retelling of the whole of uh, all their adventures together and and. It's been brilliant for me. I've done it um, for, you know, about eight months now and I've got a lot planned with it because uh-huh. uh, there's a big, it's a bit like the old Doctor Who thing. There's a big, there's a, there's a there's an international following Sherlock Holmes, Conan Doyle. Yes. So that's what I'm doing. And I'll probably be doing it, you know, all the way. I'm going to Adelaide Festival wow. in Australia and then back to, for the Edinburgh Festival again next year. So that's my immediate plans. Uh, And somebody's writing a play uh, about, for for me, about Cinderella, Uh, Prince Charming. What happened to Prince Charming? Oh, right. (laughs) Uh, So, because I directed, uh, I directed in America, Jar Jar Gabor in a pantomime, which is is another hour of your time. (laughs) But, uh, so that was an extraordinary experience. So pantomimes, things like that. I love all that. Yeah. Uh, So. Yeah, I do. I do actually like comedy quite a lot, but I don't really get cast so much in it. So this might be something.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, so can I ask then? Because obviously you've you've said about it being a a solo show. Is that not like really difficult?
1: Is that is there not loads of pressure there? Because you've got yeah no one else to bounce off. I I, this um this play is twenty six A four sides of. And when I started to learn it, I th- honestly I thought I, I can't do it. Yeah, I'd sit down, and then of course because of the I would see if Spurs were losing or something <laughs> like that. I couldn't concentrate. Modern life doesn't allow you yeah. the mental space to learn. But I knew I had to, so I did. So that was the. It took me about six weeks of, of seriously going over and over and and da, da, da. and then of course making total sense in the, that that script doesn't exist. And then I had to do it yeah. to a, a live audience. And it was really like jumping out of a plane yeah. without a shoot. Because you're, like you say, there was nobody to help me. And it was, yeah, I mean, it took all the reserves I had of all the experience I had to get through it. And mm-hmm. I did a week of it. And then by the end of the week, I was, I was beginning to fly. But yeah, it, it, is, it is that thing of nobody to help you. Yeah. And such immense volume of words and at speed because he, he thinks very quickly and, and yeah. delivers things pretty quickly. So, yeah, it was it, 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 great for me as uh, for my uh, muscle of trying to, you know, be an actor because, it, you know, directing is very, is very well to say, oh, I think you should do it like this. Yeah. But when you have to, <laughs> somebody else is telling you, no, you <laughs> yeah. should do it like this. It's, uh, uh, but, yeah, no, it was a great challenge and I, I recommend anyone, Who's thinking about it to have a go? Brilliant! Because so, it, is, it is it is very rewarding if uh, if you can crack it. And so, how
0: long does that show take? them what's, what's the length? One of hour, the show? one hour
1: and fifteen. Minutes. Wow, blimey! So it's non-stop for one hour and fifteen minutes. I play all the other characters, yeah. so that breaks it up. So it's not, you know, it's quite, it's quite, it it, it has a lot of levels. Yeah. So it, it, I, and I, wow. I I tell you, I, interesting way of learning it. Somebody told me that if you treat the script like an album, yeah so you learn the tracks so each bit is a track yeah. so that you you know that you can in your brain when it's when it's freezing you go oh is this tracks next you know because I've have had moments where nothing's come out you know and I've had to really yeah. seriously gather oh. my my uh, everything to go on yeah because um, at one point you think you just can't continue no, and, I know in those early days I don't want them back and <laughs> yeah. um, obviously it's Sherlock of and
0: so so many people have played Sherlock Holmes, and there's you know so really you know like Jeremy Brett and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And people. Do you take sort of inspiration from them, or do you just think, right, I'm going to do this completely?
1: I had to do time-like. it for myself. I, I mean, I've loved. I, I mean, I, I I've loved all of the people that have done it. Right, right back, you know, to to the the old Basil Rathbones, they're yeah. wonderful, and and the modern take of Cumberbatch is superb. But it's very different to the world I the way I do it. Mine is uh-huh. is more Jeremy Brett than than anything. But I would never look at him and go, "Oh, he does that with his hand." Yeah. I, I had to do it for my own instincts, and I think that was the the trick of it is not to to try and copy anything. Yeah. And and but you have a, there's a lot of people in the Sherlock Holmes world that come and see you, and you right. are you know it's it's a bit like the PE teacher, isn't it? You've got a lot <laughs> to live up to. Um, but they've been great, you know, and people have really said that the and the reviews I've had have, have been astounding, you know, of, yeah. of of how well I do it, and that that makes you know it gives you a it gives you the confidence that when you go on you're going to deliver, you know. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know, if I'd have made a hash of it after the yeah. first couple of weeks, I'd have you know ditched it in. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's the it's the it's the the height and the and the, the physicality and the nose and all this sort of thing. And the the start the classical style it just works for me on and, uh-huh. and does well yeah brilliant brilliant
0: okay can I just ask then did you stay in touch with anyone from Grange Hill when when you left no Right, okay
1: um, I think I bumped into Stuart uh-huh. a, a few times um, Sally I think I bumped into as well yeah um, but I didn't and I and um, I had a, a a nice coffee with Francesca. Um, oh, nice! Um, in Edinburgh, she was doing a show up there, and yeah. uh, she was fantastic and funny. And then she she is she's, yeah. she's a wonderful, wonderful. But no, and um, I, I, it was one of those things where where whereas in Doctor Who, yeah. I still keep in touch with Sylvester McCoy, you know, because he's a, you know, I had I had a, a probably a more long long standing with the people that were in that, right. even that was short, Yeah, there was, something, there was something, I just, like you say, and then I disappeared, and yeah. that was it you know, <laughs> taken out <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well, Nigel, we are coming towards the end of the interview, and I have the same few questions that I ask everyone towards the end, they're all Grange Hill related but don't worry, it's not a quiz, it's not a test, so don't there, okay <laughs> So, recently, there's been talk of a Grange Hill movie in the works. Phil Redmond is is writing it, and Sarah Sugarman, who was a character, Jessica Samuels, very early days, has been slated as, as the director for it.
1: So, what do you think of the idea of a Grange Hill movie? Darth, it'd be a wonderful idea, because, it I mean, I mean, it depends. It wouldn't be in sort of... Back in the day, type thing, it would be the modern Grange Hill, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. So it would be, it would. I think because I love education and all that thing. I mean, to 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 show that the modern, I think it would be very informative. If if, if a bit like Sex Education, which is a, which is so relevant to our time, isn't it? Uh, so it's yeah. it's it's great. And I think if, if Grange Hill did took took the themes of diversity and and everything that, that we're, we're in this very different world to when I was doing Grange Hill. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it'd be a very powerful tool. Yeah, I don't know whether they bring back all the old, I, there, there would be some cameos, but I don't think I don't think Mr. Davis will be there. Well, that, that's but, go- but, so, Some of the others will, I'm sure.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. If you were asked, would we see a return of Mr. Davies?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be there like a shot. As long as I get to the, the Indian restaurant in Stanmore, Uh <laughs> Six o'clock in the evening, <laughs> rather right. than nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah but, of course, it'd be but, but, great to be associated. I'm very, I'm proud of being yeah. in that program. It's, it's, it's a part of our culture. Yeah, definitely. There. So I'm yep. very proud to be in it.
0: Excellent. So, other and other than Mr. Davis, who was your favorite character in Grange
1: Hill? Well, <laughs> it, 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 it's it it's it's I I I really like lo- I like I really like Francesca as as a, yeah. Because she just brought something that was just different, you know. And she, yeah. the way she coped with everything, and I was when she did uh, the extras, I thought it was wonderful. When she did extras, yeah, um, yeah, I liked her, and, and because I liked I liked Stuart Organ as a bloke, and I thought I thought he was really accomplished and and smooth as an actor. He, he never he was very generous uh, to act with. Um, ne- never got, uh, you know, short tempered. He just seemed, it seemed easy for him. And I, I, so I I, I clumped for, for Mr. Robson.
0: Okay. And so then if you couldn't have played Mr. Davis, which other character would you have liked to have played?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I would have to have played somebody who was really, really mean. Right. And uh, uh, I would invent one. It was right. so unpleasant and so controversial that they just have to write storyline after storyline after storyline. Um, but I, I don't know I, whether I'd like to have been a, a senior teacher. But because of my knowledge of the sport, yeah. I'd love to. I think I'd love to have developed the PE side, you know, the game side, be the cricket coach and stuff like yeah.
0: that. Or maybe just someone who gets a proper goodbye.
1: As well. Yes. A, a yeah. See on, yeah. On yeah, see ya. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Brilliant. <laughs> oh,
1: okay then, Nigel. So no, let me, I the, the final
0: question then. Yeah. Why do you think there's still such affection for Grangel?
1: Yeah, because it is part it's part of so many people's growing up experience. And it was the time that you used to you used to come home to it in a way. Yeah. And it 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 just it, it to me it evokes the changing world of you know from you know through the through those very formative years and there were uh-huh. everything in the music and the and the look and the style and the and the attitudes and it's you know and, and and it was very focused on the storyline of the the kids that yeah. the, they were the they were the stars of it the teachers were just superfluous to it really yeah and I think that I think we all feel when we watch things about with kids being good at being who they are it's, it's very very uh, important and addictive in a way to watch these kind yeah. of uh, scenarios you know because we've all been kids ourselves yeah. we've all got well most of us will have kids so we we don't see much change in behavior so yeah brilliant okay well nigel thank you Oh, thanks so much.
0: Thanks, thanks, Neil, very much. Coming on. Uh, obviously, uh, for those of you that are listening, we've had, uh, well, I've had some terrible technical issues um, <laughs> before we got to record this one. So, this is actually the second time we've tried to record this one. Uh, so, thanks again, Nigel, for
1: for oh, pleasure, on. Pleasure.
0: It, 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 it's, it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant speaking to you yeah. and getting your experiences on your time on Grain Hill. So, thank you so much again. And for anyone that's listening, I'll speak to you next time. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.